Hey, glad you can make it. And welcome to the Employee Cycle Podcast, where we talk to HR innovators, thought leaders, and even some disruptors about the latest in HR trends, HR tech, and you guessed it, HR data. Well, you've heard enough of me talking. Now let's start the show, 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 show. Hey, hey, and welcome back to the Employee Cycle Podcast. I'm your host, Bruce Marable, CEO of Employee Cycle, and you know us. With that HR dashboard that's helping all of you HR and people leaders who are out there tired of the manual, tedious, and time-consuming process of HR reporting. That's right. We know that when most of you want to pull together a data-driven view of your workforce, you're typically logging in to multiple different systems, trying to pull that data into some type of messy spreadsheet or PowerPoint. It's time-consuming. You don't like it. You're always thinking, there has to be a better way. Well, look no further. That's why we created Employee Cycle, an HR dashboard with pre-built integrations to the most popular HR systems out there. Are you using systems like ADP, Bamboo HR, Namely, Paylocity, Trinet, Zenefits, Greenhouse, Lever, 15.5, you name it. All the systems that you're using, we can easily pull all your data into one place so that you and your people team can view, share, track, and analyze all your people data from one view. Go to EmployeeCycle.com, check us out. We'd love to give you a demo and explore how we can partner to help you automate your HR reporting and analytics process. But that's enough about me and our company, because today we have a great guest. So please help me welcome to the show, Matt Terry. He's the Chief Logistics and People Officer at Verishop. And today we're going to discuss what does the future of the workplace look like? Matt, welcome to the podcast. Woo! Welcome! Well, thank you, Bruce. It's great to be here. I appreciate you inviting me on. We appreciate you being here. And so, Matt, we're going to kick this interview off the best way we know how, and that's by asking you, how did you end up in the wonderful world of HR? Uh, That's that's a great question. Uh, So my background, I am not an HR professional. Uh, I I didn't go to school for it. Uh, I got my education basically in the real world from an HR standpoint. Uh, My background is in operations. Uh, I came up running warehouses as like a direct frontline supervisor, running departments, then running buildings, and then overseeing multi-building locations. Uh, As I moved into the startup world, you have to wear a lot of hats. Uh, You have very small teams trying to do a lot of things. And uh, we needed someone that had experience with teams of, you know, both exempt and non-exempt workers and lots of experience working with people. Uh, so it wasn't until I was in the startup world that I, I brought on uh, my HR and people side of the, the portfolio. Nice. Thanks for that background. So today we're talking about the future of the workplace. And so to summarize what the past 12 to maybe 15 months have looked like for you and your workforce. What did that look like? Were people, well, I'm assuming everybody was working from home, but were they already working from home? What did that transition look like? And then I would love to come into the present and then also talk about what could the future potentially look like? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, So when the pandemic hit, uh, we had a centralized headquarters located in Santa Monica, California. So we were, we were in Los Angeles. Uh, the entire team outside of one or two of us, I actually don't live in, in Los Angeles, uh, were located in Southern California. It was a very normal office uh, experience. People coming in five days a week, 
through business hours, some people working on the weekends. And we we switched immediately when the lockdown orders came across uh, through California to a remote work life. And there was no plan for this. It was, it was very much out of the blue. Uh, we actually had a couple retail locations that were inside of malls that also got closed down. And the first couple months, not knowing how long it was going to be, uh, we didn't really put a strategy together. Uh, it was just everyone trying to do the best they could, rescheduling meetings to be uh, over video conferencing technology and trying to just get through until you know what we thought would be a reopening in, in just a month or two. Uh, the further we got into it, the more strategy conversations we started to have as a senior leadership team on, wow, this, this looks like it's going to be going on for a while. And how do we best set our very rapidly growing team up to, to live in this world? Uh, our founders actually moved out of California a couple months into the pandemic and relocated to a different state. And that was really the, the impetus for us being just much more open to, to how we went about doing business. Uh, about 65% of our team has actually joined the company. Uh, we are, we're a startup. We're two years old. Uh, so 65% of our company has joined since our offices were closed. So I actually have more people in my company that have never met in person, have never interviewed in person, never been in the office versus the, the percentage of people that remember those early days when we did have the office space. Uh, so over the last year, we've tried to think about how do you recruit? How do you onboard? And then most importantly, how do you create a, a team experience and team environment in a remote workplace? And we went from being primarily in California to now having employees working out of their homes in, I think it's eight or nine different states, uh, two or three overseas countries. Um, and I feel like every time zone uh, that's out there. That's pretty interesting. In regards to creating the best team environment possible, how did the culture change as you started to have more people who were remote first and never had that experience of working in the office, interviewing in person? How, how did that change now that they became the majority of your workforce? Uh, it, it changed everything. Um, I'd start with the statement of, I really feel a team experience is just a set of people who have shared experiences. and. Those shared experiences when you're in an office environment are, are just natural. People come into work. They talk about their lives. They're in meetings face-to-face -face with people. They get lunch together. They get coffee together. And these things just happen naturally as human beings interacting with one another. Once you go into a remote workspace, and I, I won't even go on the sidebar of all the mental health impacts of people being alone and ostracized and fearful... Uh, but you just get into this place of you have to be so deliberate in how do you recreate those shared experiences? Because sitting alone in your apartment or sitting uh, alone in your single family home in a different location and being on a video conference with people, if it's just about work and if it's just checking boxes and hitting an agenda, it, it strips out all that personal interaction portion. So as, as people leaders and as direct supervisors and as senior leaders in companies, you have to put more mental energy into that deliberate nature of how are we creating shared experiences. And some of those can feel corny. Uh, some of those can, if you're doing it right, fall underneath the surface 
uh, and just be part of your your daily interactions. And and some of those need to be bigger and and really listening to the team on where they're feeling pain or where they're missing those pieces. And I think the things that stood out most as I talked to members of our team were the people that were earliest in their career were missing that natural ability to to learn by watching and doing and being part of that daily interaction. And the larger team that was like mid-career and later career were missing that social connectivity and those shared experiences that that bring them together. Um, so without going into like too many different pieces, I, I tried to think about how do we increase the level of recognition so that people understand what others in the company are doing that are great wins and and helping us every day. And then how do we also find those ways to, to just bring a little social, personal experience into the, the interactions that we do have? So we stayed very focused on once a week having an all-company meeting. We're, we're a team of about 80 uh, individuals uh, that make up our team across all those time zones and states. But we have the same hour booked every week. We do a good 15 to 20 minutes of recognition, opening up the floor and, and letting people highlight the things that other people on the team have done. And then the rest of that meeting, we rotate through a couple of different things. Sometimes our CEO does a business update. Sometimes we'll break out into small groups and do like icebreakers or fun activities. Uh, we've done breakout rooms. We've done game shows. Uh, we let different parts of the company do presentations on their world and how their world works, uh, whether it's marketing, advertising, engineering, operations, human resources, growth marketing. And then being really deliberate, too, on how do you increase the amount of communication so that as many individuals in the company as possible understand the bigger picture that they're just not getting naturally. As we're shifting to now discussing the present and the future moving forward, I wanted to highlight one of the things you said. You mentioned that your workforce has moved to remote first. And I wanted to know, is there a difference between remote first versus remote only? Does that mean that you will, in some capacity, allow people to work from an office somewhere, maybe create hubs, or is remote first and remote only the same thing to you? No, they're, they're very different. I think remote only is what the world kind of forced on us as, as the pandemic caught fire and, and went across the world. Remote first is, again, going back to being deliberate about how you're, you're building things. You know, there's this term one size fits all. And I, and I think that's the way that office work has been placed on people over the last several decades. You've got an office space, you go in, you know, some set hours, some set days, and that's, that's what everyone is expected to do. I want to flip that on its head and have a size for every person. And so when I say remote first, it is how do you create the ability for people to first and foremost be focused on their work in their homes or in the, the space that works best for them. But when they need to collaborate or when they want to have that social interaction, how do you have that ability to, to give them that? In the past, we some companies would have like work from home where the office is the core, but you might be able to one day a week or several hours a week work from home. Again, I want to flip that so that the core is you're working from home, you're doing what's needed for you, your family, your roommates to, to be able to be as productive and happy in that work life as possible. But when you 
need to speak face to face or when you want to collaborate or to have those joint brainstorming sessions or when you want to talk to clients or talk to vendors or when you're going through a project and you want to pull all those pieces together, how do we offer a space that is focused mainly on that collaboration? So more conference rooms, more joint space uh, in the, the physical footprint that we do have versus just a collection of desks. So we, you know, we're a smaller team. We have spread out. We're not going to put a hub everywhere, but we are going to be working with companies that do office sharing and keeping one or two core office spaces where a majority of our staff is close by. So when they want, they have that option to go, but there's no expectation that that be the the place they're going and working. So with this remote first culture and framework that you're putting in place, how do you think it's going to impact the way that you continue to build the team, retain the team, and ultimately make sure that as you're providing this remote first framework, you're still able to provide that personalized touch because it seems as though, as you mentioned, it's a lot more intentional, but also a lot more challenging to be personalized or to provide that personalized approach to all of your employees if they're scattered all over the place. Yeah, no, that, that's, that's really insightful. And, you know, subjectively, from my perspective, Working remotely has more pros than cons. And I think most individuals feel it's one of those things where, hey, 60 to 70%, this is a positive. It's this 30% or 40% of the experience that's a negative and not as good as that in person. So hopefully this actually is a win as a starting point uh, for our existing employees and, and for members of the team that join in the future that that want that ability to to work from home and have that control and that flexibility. I think that the difficulty is that that 30% of the experience where you don't have the, the social interaction is new. And so there aren't tried and true best practices to just rely on. So there's, there's two things. Number one, you got to rely on great leaders who are willing to invest time and energy in thinking and leading differently and bringing that deliberateness to those interactions and being there for the team, um, it puts managers and leaders in even more of a space where their core responsibility is, is making sure they're connected to and meeting the needs of each member of the team versus just being people that, that dole out work. The second concept, and uh, Bruce, this is a concept at this point. We haven't necessarily executed it and gotten it to a place where I'm like, yes, this is the answer is we're trying to think about things in terms of your functional team. So if I'm a, a programmer, I'm on the engineering team, and I report to that for my KPIs and for my like day-in and day-out work. And then we're trying to look horizontally by geography and identifying captains in each metro area where we have a, a gravity of employees who are responsible for maintaining that cohesion cross-functionally based on geography versus based on functional needs. So just to give a little bit more on that, back, you know, I might have three engineers and two might be in LA and one might be in New York. And on the creative team, I might have two copywriters, two are in New York and one are in LA. So having cross-functional representation in New York and in LA, how do we find ways to have cultural people 
experiences in that metro geographic space that are cross-functional while still having your main reporting structure vertically up through your your business unit. Uh, I know that's a little esoteric, but uh, as you think about how do we pull people together and have those relationships, there's the virtual and then there's the geographic in-person support. Got it. That's pretty fascinating. I, I appreciate that. And then the last question that I would like to ask you is more meta around the HR role itself. As we move into this future of work, the future of the workplace, it it makes me and it forces me to think about what skills, what type of roadmap does HR need to have in order to manage all of these unknowns? Because at least before you could say, I might know what I know and I know what I don't know. But now I think we're really moving into a place where HR can say, I don't know what I don't know because who knows what's going to happen moving forward. And so I'm curious, as you're thinking about all of these things, how are you preparing yourself as a people leader to make sure that you can manage in the short term the things that you kind of see some light at the end of the tunnel for, but then also the the unknown midterm or long term, since we know that things can just totally change on us at the you know at the drop of a dime? Yeah, I think there's three skills. and. I'll just speak for myself, you know, that I'm personally trying to focus on. And one of them is a lifelong opportunity and two of them are are strengths. But I think listening ever more to the team and being just very open and finding as many touch points as possible to let people share what they're feeling, what they're needing, both the good and the bad of of where they are. Number two is being hyper-adaptable. So I I have this term in startups of like, don't bolt anything to the ground, Um, putting plans together, testing things out, but being open to the fact that you may have to change on a dime based on what happens externally or internally. And then third, just being resilient. We're, We're all being tried and tested through these experiences and the strain on ourselves and our teams is just ever greater. and being that resilient source for everyone um, is, I think, crucial to, to helping people feel confidence to, to take those risks and try those different things in this, this new world. Matt, thank you so much for being such an awesome podcast guest and for allowing us to look into the future of work and future of workplace crystal ball and try to make some predictions in regards to what's going to happen and also talk about HR's part in regards to making sure that it's successful. So thanks so much for all your thoughts, wisdom, and experience. Well, it was my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me again, Bruce. Of course. So where can people find you and Verishop online? Uh, That one's easy. Verishop.com is probably the easiest way to find us. And then our iOS app is probably the best way to experience uh, our social commerce uh, platform. Awesome. Hey, everyone out there listening, if you enjoyed this episode as much as Matt and I did making it, then please leave us a five-star rating on iTunes. Also, if this is your very first time listening to any of our podcast episodes, but now you're hungry for more, please subscribe to the Employee Cycle Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all other major podcast players. And last but not least, all of you super awesome HR and people leaders out there, 
please continue to hire, train, and retain the best workforce possible. Thanks. Later, kids.